In this episode of the Christian Home and Family Podcast, I'm doing part B of a repeat performance that is focused in on helping your children develop their own personal time with the Lord. It's one of the most downloaded episodes that I've ever done on the Christian Home and Family Podcast. Enjoy. At some point in this process, your personal devotion has moved from having to do it because it was a requirement in the household to wanting to do it because the Lord had grown that desire in your own heart. How and when do each of you perceive that that transition happened? You've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but let's be a little more specific. How and when do you feel like that happened for you? Aaron? It's definitely during my preteen and teen years um, when I was actually being exposed to the world and what it held and the good and the bad, you know, but I'm going to keep going back to this, but the, the root and the thing that, that not necessarily determined the timing on when it became a, a, a practice or a faith of my own, but the, the thing that determined whether it did or did not become a practice of my own was way back in the beginning when I was four, five, six years old, when you explained why I do it. I do it because I love my Lord. I do it because I want to spend time with him. And so that was always there in the back of my mind. And so when I like I said, when I saw the need for it, then that desire sprang up and it became my own. So, I mean, if, if I hadn't have had that from you, that, that encouragement, I don't, I don't think it ever would have become something of my mm. own. So the, the, the reason, the why, yes. mattered mm-hmm. big time to you. And I don't know if it was the same for you, my sisters, but it was for me. I mean, I'm, I like reasons. And if they make sense mm-hmm. to me, I can do anything, yeah. no matter how hard it is, because I know what I'm going for and I know why I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you you guys telling me that and explaining the why made it possible later on. Great. Um, I think for me it happened when I was around 11 or 12. I just started to realize, I think, more so than when I was a little kid. You know, I knew God was real. I knew he loved me. I knew I had Jesus in my heart. And at times I know I would be really thoughtful about it. But I didn't like see the full reality and think about him as much until I got older. You know, God is in my life and feel him, feel the joy his presence in me gave me and feel the peace that I had and kind of just start to have a desire to spend time with him. And also, like Aaron said, because of the reason, the conviction that is important to spend time with my God because I love him. I love the joy he gives me, and I want to continue in that and mm. grow in it. And I think also seeing you and Mom, how you spent time with God and how you grew in it and told me about meaningful times you would have. And then I was like, yeah, I want to do that too. I want to have meaningful times with God that I love and grow close to him. And I wanted to continue in that. Great. Mel, how about you? I just think right off the bat, I agree with Maddie that you and mom's example and other people like you who have shared stories and testimonies about how this certain day in their quiet time meant this to them, what they learned and how when people would share about what their quiet time meant with God or their prayer time. I think when I become a Christian, became a Christian and the spirit was in me, naturally he puts in me when I hear those stories, a desire of, I want that too. And you kind of see, this is what it should be like. I want to be how it should be. I want my relationship to be on that level. And so I remember years probably from the time I was maybe like eight until the time I was 12, having my quiet time specifically was a struggle for me. 
I remember that was at the time when I was homeschooled for half that time and it was my first subject in school every day. And part of the hardness I know is because it was first and then I had to do math and then I had to do this and then I had to do this and then I could be done. And so it was the first in a long list of things I needed to check off the list and get done. And I remember hating that I hated it. Mm. And I remember reading my little devotional books I had and reading my Bible and saying, this is good stuff and yet I'm bored and I don't like it. And I remember there were probably four or five years of me going through that. And you and mom were a good encouragement to tell me to keep pressing on. But I think that's when I'm very grateful for the fact that you enforced it because I was obeying God and I was pushing through my feelings. Mm. And as I prayed and asked God to make the Bible reading and the prayer time real to me and to give me that real desire to want to do it, by the time I was 15, suddenly one day I realized... I have this desire and I want to do it. And so somewhere in those early teen years, I think the one of the biggest tools God used was he prompted me to ask him for it. And he mm. gave it to me. And I've seen that with other things in my life. He's like, well, you want to be more compassionate? Ask and I'll do it. Mm. And so mm. I think that was a big key thing in that turning point. That's great. Let me ask you a couple of questions about that real quickly. You mentioned your mom and I would encourage you. Um, talk to me for a second about the importance of a parent's communication with their kids about this discipline. I think it was important for me and still is as a kid who looks up to y'all's example. When I express or when you ask me and find out that I'm bored with my quiet time or I didn't have it today, you know, when I'm honest about that, you guys understand. And I think the fact that we are just two souls relating, saying, I totally felt that way this morning, too. It was hard for me, too, honey. You know, I remember the first time I heard you probably express that, I was like, what? <laughs> you have trouble having your quiet time sometimes? Are you serious? You know, that's crazy. But when we talk on just a real-life level like that, it made me see you're not perfect. You struggle, and you're behind me in my struggle, and you're not upset with me because I skipped it today. Mm. And if I got into a week of, oh, I haven't had my quiet time at all this week, you guys would be like, now, come on, you know better. And I'd be like, you're right, I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. And so you're also my accountability. Mm. But I know that if you had left me to myself and we hadn't talked about how I was feeling about it and what I was learning and where I was at with the Lord, I know that I would have not been encouraged to keep going. Mm. I know that you guys are probably the only reason besides God's spirit and he was working through you to keep going. Okay. So Good. I don't know if that so, answers it all. Yeah, it does. So so in regard to the parents' communication with the kids about this, on the one hand, it wasn't heavy-handed. But on the other hand, it wasn't just, oh, it doesn't matter. There was a balance between where there's a loving accountability. Yeah, and like Aaron was saying, you would always bring it back to the why. Mm. And the reason why we do this is because we love our God and we want to know him. Like he commands and like our heart's desire, we would talk about that and... Even if I knew that after having a conversation like that, well, my quiet time still doesn't sound that much more appealing, I kind of had a renewed sense of, but I want to know my God, so I'm going to mm. push through. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just getting through the next day, the next morning's 15, 30 minutes of it, I want to do it because of that. Yeah, and that, isn't that the story of the Pearl of Great Price? I mean, the man found the pearl and he sold all he had to go and get that pearl. I mean, Jesus is that pearl. Mm -hmm. And as parents, I remember us doing what you're describing because 
we're trying to hold up to you, here's the valuable pearl. Jesus is the pearl. Please seek this. Seek this more than anything else. Now, through all of this time of you guys having your time with the Lord, learning how to have a time with the Lord, struggling with the desire, your mom and I were involved in that process in various ways. Tell me the things you remember about our involvement or our interaction that were helpful. Um, and then let me just qualify this. I don't say this to pat us on the back. I just, I just think the Lord, out of his grace, helped us to figure some things out along the way. And I'm sure there's ways we made mistakes as well, but I want to hear from your perspective as the kids. What was helpful? Mel? I mean, I know we've mentioned this, but just to clarify possibly exactly why it was helpful was the fact that you guys were our authority in this matter and that it was an issue of obedience, especially as we were younger. Like you said, it was part of our rules, part of our jobs, our chores, that we did this every day. And yeah, we we miss a day now and then. We're not going to get in trouble. But I remember there were periods in my life, mom would ask every day, do you have your quiet time? And if I said yes, she didn't always ask me what it was about so we could have this good conversation, but she was just checking up on me. Just as if, say, I was on some medication and I had to take it every day or I Mm. would die. She would always be asking because she cared that I don't die. Mm. Well, you guys obviously care that we get into this habit because it is our life source. And thinking back on it, I don't know if I ever had this thought when I was in that stage. But looking back on the stage, I see how y'all's constant accountability would remind me, even if your parents don't ask you, God knows. Yes, as we've said skipping out one day or you didn't have time to do it so instead you just spent some time praying as you were on your way to school or something that's totally fine that's good we can mix it up you don't have to do the same thing every day but seeing yeah god knows i didn't do it but my motive was not because i didn't have time my motive was because i was tired and i just skipped out on god willingly and y'all's constant checking up on us reminded me y'all check up a lot god checks up always (laughs) and so I think as legalistic as some people might feel that that is, I think when it's done right in a gracious way, but also a strict way, it can be very helpful to remind us how constant God's presence is. So, so there, there's an issue that needs some unpacking. How is it strict yet gracious? How can a parent go about that? Maddie, go ahead. I think what is very important, and I think most important, and the difference between strict and strict and gracious is if the parent is just being strict they're saying you need to have your quiet time every single day or you're going to get in trouble and the kid is scared oh no i'm gonna get in trouble and so they just do it just like they have to sweep the kitchen or do the dishes but with us you and mom told us you need to have it so you can spend time with god and get close to him because he loves you and you need to learn about him learn how you can obey him better and there's a reason. And so we see the importance in it instead of it's just this chore that we have to do. We see it's an important thing. Like Mel said, having pills so you won't die, you have to take that medicine so you won't die. And you probably feel convicted too because you don't want to die. You, as we got older, you guys stopped checking up on us. And if I wouldn't do it today, I wouldn't feel bad because what if mom asks? I would feel bad. Ugh. I didn't have time with God today and feel sadness in my heart because I know it's an important thing and I want to do that important thing to help me stay close to God because overall that is what I want most, to stay close to God. And that's why it's important. So the strict is just about the regulation or the rule. Strict and gracious is about 
yes, here's the rule, but there's a relationship involved, mm -hmm. both between parent and yeah. child and child and God. Yeah, so, and you love us, and that's why you want us to be close to God, because you know what a great thing it does in your life to be close to God. Okay, Mel? And I also think, like many things involving parents and children relationships, y'all's example was huge. The fact that we wake up early and we see mom in the living room reading her Bible. We have proof mom does this every day. Mom practices what she preaches. When mom's asking, did you have your quiet time? We could say, yes, did you? And she would say, yes, I did. I never said that, but we could. And I knew mom did it. And I knew you did it. And, and so that kind of also puts the proof to all the good you've been telling us about it. We say, well, I've never felt such a moving experience yet. I'm only 10. But I see that my parents do it every day, and they're telling me that this is my life source, and so I'm going to believe them. And obviously I didn't have those conscious thoughts, but I know that's what it did in my mind mm. because I saw the proof. And I do recall also times when your mom or I would, would have a great experience in our quiet time that morning, and at the breakfast table we'd bring it to you and we'd tell you about mm -hmm. it. And, and we did that intentionally because we wanted you to know it was real in our lives. Erin, you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I just want to <clears throat> express my feelings a bit about the example. Mainly your example, Dad. Mm. I remember in high school when I was on the basketball team, I was going to Christian school. I was waking up and going to work out with the team every weekday at 4.30, you know, before the sun was up. And I remember every single day passing by you in the kitchen on my way out the door. You know, you were either journaling your prayers to God, you were reading the Bible, or you were praying. And that was so powerful to me because, first of all, I felt loved by you. Because I knew in that journal I was in there. I'd read them before. I knew I was. I knew the family was. I knew you were praying about me. So I felt loved. I felt valued by you. But at the same time, it showed me your character. Because you, you, know, you didn't require something of me that you weren't willing to do. I remember talking with you and you, know, you saying you set two alarms so you make sure you got up to have your quiet time. You know, you'd think about it the day before and pray, Lord, give me the strength to get up and spend time with you. And so that just really, really convicted me and made me feel loved, but it also magnified my view of God. I mean, the simple fact that my dad, the dad who I aspire to be like, is spending time with God. Wow, that God must be something pretty awesome mm. for my dad to want to spend time with him every single day without fail. I mean, if you hadn't been the type of dad that I wanted to look up to, I wouldn't have felt that way about God. Mm. So, I mean, you parents listening, I want to encourage you First of all, make sure you're having your quiet time so that you're an example, but also make sure you're the type of person your child wants to be like. Yeah, I don't know how else to say that, but that was extremely yeah. powerful for yeah. me. Yeah, well, that's very humbling. Thank you for that, Aaron. Mm -hmm. And that really piggybacks on one of the themes of Christian Home and Family Ministry. Is, I mean, our goal is to help people make Christ the center of their home. But one of the ways that, that I'm aiming to do that is through the power of a good example. Mm -hmm. We all need examples. We need role models. We need... Someone like Paul who says, follow my example as I follow that of Christ. And, and you're right. The parents have got to get that conviction in their own heart. They've got to be that example for their kids. That's where building a home that's centered around Christ begins. Okay, let me ask you a different sort of a question. We've kind of alluded to it a little bit. We've been talking mainly so far about this act of having a quiet time or a devotional time. But I think that we all know that's not the be-all, end-all of relationship with God. What happens during those other hours of the day when you're not sitting down intentionally having a time in the Word or prayer or whatever matters as well. So, so talk to me about what the atmosphere of our home has been like. 
that has facilitated your desire to not only have your time with the Lord, but also have an ongoing time with the Lord throughout the day. Aaron? Um, again, I feel it was your example and your leading as parents. Um, I've, I've heard a lot from talking with friends and hearing, you know, just, just things like that. I mean, I've heard this idea that you need to let your kids have space to figure it out by themselves and let them go through the steps to figure it out. And yes, it's important that they figure it out and that they have some space, but we're corrupt. And unless we know how to let Christ influence us, we can't figure it out by ourselves. Mm. And so your interaction with us throughout the day is what created that atmosphere. Mm. You know, you would ask how our day at school was, ask what we struggled with, ask what we liked. You know, at dinner, we'd all talk about our day and, you know, we'd ask, what did God do in your day today? You know, how did he? And so, like Maddie was saying earlier, he's a real God. He was shown to be a real God here, you know, involved in every aspect of our life. And I don't feel I would have felt that without your guys' leading. Mel? I agree. And I think mom especially has been given the wisdom and whatever else it is where she brings God into everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's not bringing him in. He's already there. She's pointing him out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the beauty of the sunset. Kids, look at the sunset. Isn't God amazing? I mean... That seems small, but when you're when you're growing up from the time you're born with your mom saying things like that multiple times a day, even before you trust in Christ, you know who God is and you believe he's there and he's real to you and he's living in your house with you. And like Aaron was saying, y'all's in, being intentional about asking questions, focusing on God, looking back over the day, kind of that's still powerful in my life now, thinking, you know, I didn't think about God a lot today, but now that I'm looking back, I see where he was working and I see where I didn't let him work. I remember mom talking about verses of, you know, pray without ceasing. What does that really mean? Well, kids, you know, I just have conversations with God throughout the day. And if I think of something, I say, well, God, please help me with that. Or, you know, I'm feeling really tired and I don't want to make dinner. Well, God, please give me the strength to make dinner. I think the open communication, sharing with your kids what's going on inside your minds and inside your hearts, and when you do talk with God, share it with them. You might feel like you're just talking about it all the time, but better all the time than not at all. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible says. It says, you know, talk about God's word when you sit, when you lie down, when you eat, when you're walking on the wayside, hang it above your door. God is real, and you and Mom have been tremendous examples showing us He's real and He's living in you every day. Mm-hmm. because you talk about it, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Maddie? I think also, adding on to that, Mom especially, she, she just randomly comes and tells me when she sees God working in my life, and she tells me, mm-hmm. see him, you've been really encouraging to all of us lately, and I see how God has worked in you. And she encourages me in Christ, telling me what God has done in me, but it also really encourages me, and I see how God is real, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that too, and I never would have thought of it if she hadn't brought it up. And then I can thank God and see how he's real in my life and working in my life. Mm. And also on the opposite of that, when she notices a habit that I am doing that is wrong, I'm being selfish or bossy to my younger siblings, she'll come and tell me and be like, you're doing this a lot, and that is not good. You need to ask God to help you with that. So in both sides, Mm. I can see God helping me, and I can also see my need to. So I can pray about that in my quiet time, but also throughout the day, whenever I think of it, I can continue to pray about it and know that he's real helping me live my life and not just leaving him at my quiet time in the morning. 
Could I, could I add to that? Yeah, Aaron, go ahead. Well, I just want to emphasize what she's saying. The affirmation is key. I mean, it really is. You can't you can't expect someone or your child to feel good about themselves and be encouraged in what you've asked them to do when all you do is criticize. It may be loving, constructive criticism, but if that's all it is, it's just like a bank account. You're withdrawing. You can't withdraw if something's not there. So the affirmation is putting it in. Mm. It, you mentioned that to me in a book about a book you're reading, but that's just such a good word picture. You've got to keep putting in almost double what you're taking out. Because I know in my life, I easily got discouraged. I, you know, I, I would be doing great for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then we get one little criticism, a constructive, loving criticism from you guys, and I would feel like I'm a failure. But when you would encourage me all along the way, then when that one constructive criticism came, I could just accept it and work on it because I know you're pleased with me. Yeah, I think we all are, are kind of our worst critic. Mm-hmm. We're hardest on ourselves. We don't see ourselves objectively, and, and especially when it comes to the work the Lord's doing in our life. We don't see it objectively because we know the inner struggle that we're having over a certain sin or habit or whatever. And so when someone else, especially someone of influence in our life, can come and point out what Christ is doing and hold it out for us to see, boy, that does wonders. Let's head toward a conclusion here. There are parents out there who are afraid to push their kids too much in this area. Perhaps they grew up in a legalistic home or in a legalistic church background. They're just afraid of making it something their kids resent and pushing them away from the Lord in their desire to push them toward him. Given what you've experienced and where you are with the Lord today, how would you counsel parents like that? What would you say to them about this subject? Mel? Well, first, I would say that despite the fears you might have, especially if your kids are young and you're starting out and you're worried about how to start out, you're not coming at it from the middle or something where they're already teenagers, make daily time with the Lord a requirement. Kids need boundaries to grow up in. They need rules. They feel secure when they have a loving environment to live in. And that can just be part of one of the, so to speak, boundaries or rules. And when they grow up with that, it doesn't cause as much rebellion as if suddenly you force this on your 15-year-old. And like we've already talked about, you can't have rules without talking about the reason. You can't have rules without the love and encouragement and without the graciousness of, okay, so you blew it today. That is okay. God forgives you. I forgive you. What's important is that you didn't want to blow it and that, and you're sad that you did. And I think as your kids grow up, not worrying that, how can I put this rule on them that's so restricting, that's so legalistic? I don't know if I'm doing it right. Relax and trust God to guide you. And if you feel like you might be being a little too restrictive, pray about it. Talk with your spouse and get counsel from people who you feel like maybe have done it right or whose kids do seem to have good relationships. Say, what have you done? And God, what do you want me to do for my child? What do they need? I feel like so many times when we think about how to do it and we look ahead to how our kids are going to turn out, we just get too much in a worry mode. Mm. And we also feel like if we start out doing it wrong, we can't change. And that's false. You can always change. God always lets us change. Yeah, that's good. And let me just interject there. If, if anyone listening you know, hears your counsel and, and really feels like they need to bounce some of this off somebody but don't really feel like they have someone, please go to the website, christianhomeandfamily.com forward slash contact. All my contact options are there. Feel free to contact me. I would love to interact with someone about these kind of situations to, to give some counsel and advice if you feel like you need that. Um, Aaron or Maddie, do you have anything you'd like to say to a parent in that situation? Maddie. Um, well, I think it's important to, like Mel said, give them that um, boundary when they're young. Make them have to do it. Just like from the time they're young, you want to make them obey you. 
so that they will grow up doing it and it's habit. And kids don't always resent obeying their parents. Kids are usually, okay, yeah, of course I obey mom and dad. So as they grow up, they can be like, yeah, of course I'll have my quiet time. And I think it's important, like um, that verse in Proverbs says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So if you don't train them to have their quiet time when they're young, when they're old, they won't do it either. They won't feel like it's important. But when they're young, even if they would rather go play, once they get in the habit, when they're older, they'll see the importance and they'll do it for themselves and have a real relationship as they're an adult. Good. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to that. That's well said. Except that, you know, if you are a parent who God's just revealing this stuff to you and you feel like you are late, it's a teenager you're dealing with who you who isn't having time in the Word and you want them to. Be in prayer about it. That is the number one thing, I think. God is the essence of wisdom, and He mm. can give you what you need for your specific child. You know, every child is different. Maybe not go right at them with, with the requirement. Because like I think Mel was saying, if you just pop this on them when they're 15, they're going to resent it. Start with the relationship. Start telling them how you enjoy having a quiet time. Start, you know, start building their understanding of why it's important. And then introduce, well, what do you think about you having one? You want to have one with me every now and then? You know, just start it slow. Mm -hmm. Start with the love. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about love being the greatest, and yeah. I really believe it is. Yeah, I think that's good because it's likely that there are people listening to this or will listen to this one day who in their own life, they just became a believer a year or two ago. And here they are, a parent with a teenager, and this is mm -hmm. new for everybody. And so it's good, it's good for you if you find yourself in that place to be open about what God's doing in your life with your kids as it's happening. Just talk to them about the change he's made in you. Talk to them about the changes you're finding the benefit in having a time with him. Talk, let him see a genuine outworking of your faith as it happens. You know, there may be too much water into the bridge where they're hurt by things that have happened in the past and they don't want to listen to you right now because they don't think the change might be for real. You know, they, they're skeptical. But just keep patiently, consistently living it out, working in that direction. And in time, the Lord will bring those seeds to fruition, I believe. Okay, on the opposite side of that question, there are parents who may tend toward being a little too overbearing or controlling. What counsel would you give to those parents? Aaron? Prayer. Like I said, Christ will give you the wisdom that you need. I mean, if you notice that about yourself, that's the first step in facing that and dealing with it. Start to really dig into that in your quiet times. Hmm. Start trying to understand how you do it, when you do it, why you do it legalistically, and start to ask God for the means to change that. Also, focus on love. I mean, your kids are going to respond to love a lot more than they are criticism and legalism. If you feel like you are too legalistic towards your kids, start praying through that. What am I saying to my kids that I feel is too legalistic? Why am I saying it? What is the motivation? Mm. And draw out of that where the root of the legalism is coming from. Is it coming from... A simple desire, you wanting them to excel in their spiritual walk and you're just taking it too far? Is it coming from things you experienced as a kid? I mean, once you get, once you find where it's coming from, you're, it's a lot easier to, you know, address it. Sure. Okay. Sure. So explore it. Yeah. Uh, Mel. I also think, um, like Aaron was pointing out, focus on the love, especially if you know that you tend to be legalistic, which probably if you're thinking of yourself in, the, in this, then you know that you do encourage make it a point to encourage i have trouble with encouraging mm. intentionally saying what needs to be said because sure i feel like they're great in this way and so of course it's obvious to me so why should i mention it i don't even think about mentioning it but you know god says encourage each other as long as it's called today and as a parent when you encourage your child when my parents have encouraged me 
that just lights up my world and I see I'm doing wonderful. And so even if my parents have been very, very strict on me with some things I struggle with, when they come in and encourage right alongside it, or they even come back later and say, did you feel like I was just condemning you and you can't do anything right? Because I know you have the tendency to beat yourself up. Did you feel like I was beating up on you? And I can honestly say, yeah, I did. I just feel hopeless right now, you know. Well, you guys saying, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. I didn't want you to feel like it was just rules. Actually, I see God working in your life this all the time. It's just actually been this last week that I've seen you struggling. The, the whole rest of the year has been great. Those kind of things. It just opens my eyes to how much you guys love me and care about me. Even if you have to come back and have kind of a follow-up conversation. Parents mm. don't feel like once it's said and done, it's said and done because it's mm. not. You can always come back and have a second chance. That's great. Maddie, do you have anything to add? I think it's important. This is something I lean towards with my quiet time and other areas of obeying God is to remember that having your quiet time or obeying God and doing His commands, His love is not dependent on that. And your child mm. needs to know that your love and acceptance of them mm. is not dependent on them having their quiet time every day or being perfect. They need to know that even if they mess up, even if they forget to spend time with God, you still love them. And I mm. think that will help with legalisticness, especially knowing God still loves them when they mess up. He loves them in the midst of their messing up. And once you repent, he remembers their sins no more. Mm. And like mom has been telling me lately and is really helpful for me, she reminds me, you are a new creation in Christ. You are not all these sinful things. That is your sinful flesh. That is not you. That's not Jesus in you. And so you need to just push those things aside and remember who you are in Christ. And don't focus on the bad. Focus on the good. Amen. That's well spoken. I think there's some, some very powerful things in what you just said, Maddie. Kids tend to presume or assume or infer that somehow mom and dad's love for them is contingent on their behavior. And I think what you're communicating is you've got, you've got to make sure your kids understand that's not true. That whether they have their quiet time or not, whether they obey in everything or not, whether they are completely disrespectful or not, they are still loved. They have a security there. Kids don't necessarily just pick that up. You have to say that. You have to say those words to them. You have to communicate it uh, consistently. Well, I know all of you have taking some time out of your Sunday afternoon here to help me put this podcast interview together. So I want to thank you each. Is there any, anything that any of you want to say? Thank you for, <laughs> you know, not only inviting us to do this, but letting the Lord teach you and, mm. and grow you. I've seen your humility throughout my childhood. And I mean, hey, guys listening, this is the guy you need to learn from. Mm. I mean, I cannot think of one other person who I would recommend you to other than my dad. Yeah, and I'll pay you later. <laughs> girls you have anything you want to say I just want to praise God and thank him for doing this work in us and it's humbling to think about it because I know it is all him working in us and I can just think of myself as simply a tool kind of like the wind blowing through a screen he's just using me and using us and it has nothing to do with us amen no? yeah when I really truly think about it I'm amazed why us why this family? In different ways, why do we seem to have this a, a firmer grasp on it than others? You know, I don't know God's reasons, but I just thank Him for it. And I thank you and Mom for being open to it and for letting God build what He wanted to build on your marriage and in your home. 
thank you. You all are very, very precious to me and very sweet to say the things you've said. And I appreciate it. And obviously, it's not the first time I've heard it. You've all been very open about these kind of things all along. So thank you for your time and for being willing to do this. It's not, I know it's not an easy thing to sit and talk into a microphone. So I just pray the Lord will answer the prayer from the beginning. That this will be a great benefit to many people. So thank you. Thanks for listening to the Christian Home and Family Podcast. My mission here is to help you build a legacy of faith in your family that lasts for generations. If I can help you with that in any way, please don't hesitate to contact me at christianhomeandfamily.com slash contact. And you can join the Christian Home and Family community on Facebook at facebook.com slash christianhomeandfamily. today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.